Welcome to Culture Matters, a podcast exploring the intersection of faith and culture. I'm Adam Hawkins, and today I'm here with my friend, the engineer, is what I like to call you. It's a very like Matrix sounding name. Producer, okay. I like producer. Okay, producer Chelsea, how Thank you doing, you. Chelsea? Thank you. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Well, I know you're excited, and I'm excited too to talk with our guest today, John Guerra. John is a songwriter. He, we are fans of his. He is a creative and an artist, and we get to talk to him about that today. We get to talk about what it looks like uh, to love God with our creativity. So. John has spent his career as a musician, as a worship leader, and a singer-songwriter. His most recent album is called Keeper of Days. He lives in Austin with his wife, who is an incredible musician herself. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have a band together uh, called Pray Tell. They have one child, a daughter, and I'm excited to talk to him. John, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having this conversation with us about art and music and culture and faith. I'm really excited to talk about it. So let's dive in, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thank you so much for being on. We just did your sort of Wikipedia bio, but I like to ask our guests, is there anything that we should know about you that uh, is more important maybe than all the little facts we put out there? Anything interesting about you? Anything interesting about me? Let's see. Um, I'm an only child. <laughs> um, I don't drink coffee anymore. Oh no. Um, okay. Tell it. Tell me about. We got to camp out on that for a second because mm-hmm. we're yeah. we're big coffee drinkers over here. You live yeah. in Austin, which has great coffee. Why did mm-hmm. you stop? Well, I I I'm a little bit prone to, um, as my wife says, making um, radical. Veering towards radical solutions for otherwise very simple problems, <laughs> <laughs> and um, I didn't start drinking coffee till my mid twenties, so it still okay. felt relatively new. I mean, I'm in my mid thirties now, but um, I just kind of was getting really slumpy in the afternoons. Mm. Um, I took an overseas trip to Greece, and my kind of times when I drank coffee got messed up and Mm. I had a headache for like five days straight Mm -hmm. and I was pounding espressos and then I felt like I felt like I had a problem Mm. so I came home and I read some articles I found some I found the you know anti-caffeine internet rabbit hole read a few essays and took that as license to then just uh to try it and I will say I feel amazing. That's great. I'm sleeping way better. I I cruise through the day. There's no crash in the afternoon. Mm. Um, and I've introduced tea, which is, you know, a, a cup of coffee is like 250, 300 milligrams of caffeine. Tea is only like 20 or 40. Um, so now I'm into tea and I love it. It's delicate. It's kind of like it's something I could still drink in the morning. Um, so... So that's probably interesting about me. That is absolutely interesting. You, you know, said something you said know. something really profound and I actually had a thought. You said your well your wife did actually. She said you like to come up with radical solutions for typical problems, is that the way you put it? Or for, yeah, for simple problems. Simple problems. <laughs> simple problems. Uh, let me ask this, beyond being like a cool album name, 
radical solution for simple problems. <laughs> is that, do you feel like that's true of your uh, songwriting process? Do you feel like as you listen? Definitely. Okay, t- talk to me about that a little bit. Definitely. Um, well, I, you know, I think I'm, um, I think being an only child and also being a kid in high school who, you know, me and my friends were very, very serious about our band. Mm -hmm. When I was in college, I was very, very serious about reading and academics. And I was like, you know, following the inside baseball of who's writing what papers and who's, you know, at the time it was N.T. Wright came out with his new perspective on Paul. And I was just all in on that debate. Um, I, I, I think it's just a function of my personality. I, I tend to, I tend to go all in on things. Mm. And, um, with songwriting, I really don't, I, I like to, um, I like to feel like a song isn't, you know, I like to feel like a song is done, um, when it, does this particular thing to me and i don't quite know how to explain that but it Mm. feels like it's got to do something somewhat radical to my heart um and um and usually what that means is i i have to you know my songs are kind of um they come from they come from my own you know spiritual life my Mm -hmm. i i think a sub sub thesis of my life is sort of trying to capture the kind of very somewhat subjective but common experience of um just a, a godward relationship and mm. then like a prayerful relationship mm-hmm. um of the human heart mm-hmm. before god and um i i feel like with that vocation i i kind of have this standard of like well if it if it doesn't feel like radically honest um, and that doesn't just mean like, oh man, you, that's so raw, bro. Or right, right. I can't believe you yeah. said that. It means I think to be actually radically honest right now, to be really punk rock right now is actually to be sincere. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're just drowning in irony. Mm-hmm. And actually I think the most prophetic thing right now is just to be sincerely devoted and in love with Christ. Mm-hmm. And, um, what do you and that's, think happened? that's what I what do you think? I'm so, I totally am interrupting you, yeah. but like I'm resonating yeah. so strongly with what you're saying. It's like a consumer of indie music for years and years. It's like I feel that what you just said is what I I have said this to like my other people who I know love music, like my brother. I'm like I just miss the days almost I, I really honestly where people took themselves too seriously. Like it was when I was <laughs> yeah. in college and stuff, same thing you're talking about being in bands and stuff. It's like when I was in college and stuff, it was like everyone took themselves so seriously you know there was like kind of the post um you know punk days and i mean that less in like the uh uh do you think part of it is the speed that people put music out i don't know but the sense of irony and twee and all this like really not an album yeah Yeah. no one takes himself seriously anymore and it's really frustrating dude i don't know what what is that i mean if you had to diagnose is there anything you see i mean i think it's cowardice yeah man Let's I go. think it's, I think it's, I think it's, it's spineless. Uh, it's, it's spineless cowardice. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't have, there's nothing I actually that drives me more crazy these days than this sort of, especially in the Christian mm. space, mm. this kind of 
overly self-aware, like I'm going to be more mindful of how you're viewing me mm-hmm. than before. So you don't have the chance to actually evaluate me or what I'm saying or what I'm doing. It's like, goodness gracious, just can, can we, you know, <laughs> can we just believe in something mm-hmm. and risk being dumb or foolish or wrong mm. and just move on if we are? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I think of guys like I'm still so inspired by Keith Green mm-hmm. because the dude is just the dude is just dripping with sincerity. And yep. I don't like all his music. Sure. Sometimes mm-hmm. his voice kind of bugs me, the piano tone, whatever. But it's like, oh my goodness, I I'm so glad that he exists on YouTube, at least. Mm. You know, it cuts through the noise for me. I was at an event um a few weeks ago here in town that David Taylor put mm-hmm. on. He's mm-hmm. a um, wonderful pastor theologian. And it was basically an evaluation of the Psalms in church music through church history. Mm. So we had a piece from the first century, from the fifth century, from the 10th century. And then it ended, The la- one of the last ones was as the deer, as oh, the yeah. deer bent for the water. So that is a song that I've probably made fun of at least a dozen times mm. just because mm. it, it felt too sentimental to yeah. me for a long time. But sitting there, having the dude on the acoustic play uh-huh. it, and then looking around and seeing all these boomers, uh-huh. hands here, weeping. It was just like, yeah, okay. And and it was, it was very stirring to me. Mm. Like it was very, it cut through even my own, um, my own cynicism. Mm-hmm. And I just... I just want, I just want more of that, man. I think it's like the gift that God gave us in art and music is very simple. And, and the gift is to, to get past our intellect and our defenses Mm -hmm. and our, even, even our own sense of who we are, who we think we are. I mean, how many times have you heard someone who's like, I didn't believe in God. And then I heard this song and suddenly I'm like considering all these, it's like, it gets past whatever all that crap is yeah mm-hmm. that's the gift mm. and if we're if we're taking that gift and and like wrapping it in this like pitchfork friendly yep pretty well what the heck are we doing like right yeah. really right like yeah. just Man. go do something else <laughs> i love that you um i did a little deep dive on you and you call yourself devotional music songwriter on your instagram yeah. bio i think uh it yeah. caught my attention um can you speak to like what you mean by that i mean is that yeah. What do you mean by devotional? What do you mean by like that type of uh, distinction? Yeah. Yeah. So I, when I made the last record keeper of days, um, I, I wanted to reach for a term that could kind of tip people off that this wasn't a worship music yeah. in the, in the genre sense. Mm-hmm. It's, it's worshipful and it's very Christian of course, yeah. but it's not worship music in, in, in the sense that it's not congregational mm-hmm. singing. It's not um, CCM, Christian mm-hmm. Contemporary Music, because it's not for the radio. It's not yeah. for Christian radio. So I reached for devotional music because that's, um, it felt like the most helpful term. You know, these are songs written out of my own prayer life and my mm-hmm. own questions that I'm wrestling with and my own um, kind of, you know, time with God. You know, search, search me and know my heart, oh God, and see if there's any right way in me is, is sort of like a thesis verse for maybe my songwriting. You know, yeah. um, there's a poet by the name of George Herbert that I'm 
George Herbert devotee over here. Mm. And his stuff is tremendous. He's a 16th century pastor, poet. And um, it's just basically him writing poems to and about God, kind of looking inside, asking questions, yeah, um, thinking through his conscience. And that's kind of what my um, songs are too. And, uh, and the Psalms are that way too. So I, I toyed around with being like Psalmish songs, but that felt a little too, uh, self-aggrandizing or something. But <laughs> no, man, I have described um, Keeper of Days as modern day Psalms. Psalms I've yeah. said that to people yeah. before, that very mm. thing. So that's I don't awesome. Know. So you don't have perfect. to self-aggrandize, I'll aggrandize for you. <laughs> He's a Psalmist, guys. Yeah. This is John. He's a Psalmist. Just, just a regular old Psalmist over here, guys. <laughs> I think there's something just as we're talking, like what's striking me as like the resident chin scratcher on the podcast. Um, I think like what you're saying, and it it hits me in a particular way. But it's like you talk about being sincere. Mm-hmm. You're you, even what you said. You went to a conference where we're talking about first century music, uh, talking about devotional time and transforming that into poetry and prayer that we sing God's beauty back to him. That's something Mm -hmm. we say a lot around here. What, Mm. I I don't know if you've thought much about this, but I think God is a musical God. It's always been part of our worship. There is something about music and poetry, Mm. even as you look in the Bible. I mean, just the Psalms, obviously, we're talking about. And is there something that music does what does music do that aids so well in our devotion or actually expresses so clearly um this idea of god's beauty and how to engage with it as you think through that i know that's like a really you know deep question but yeah i mean no that's a great question yeah that's a wonderful question it reminds me of an augustine quote um at least i think it's augustine it could be another Gregory of Nyssa or something, but he says, those who pray, pray once, those who sing, pray twice. Mm. And I think what he means by that is, you know, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your Mm. soul, your mind, and your strength. I think when you're singing, it's the closest physical activity to actually unifying all those things. Wow. For me. Um, that's interesting. Music stirs our hearts. Yes. It, it, it reaches the soul. I mean, there's really, uh, yeah, that, that feels unimpeachable that music mm-hmm. touches the deepest parts of us. And then when we're singing words, it's mm-hmm. engaging our minds. It's like these ideas and then our strength, it's literally you using your very breath. Mm. Like, right. so I think when we sing, it's like, there is something aligning. And especially when we're singing together to God, Mm-hmm. There's there's something um, there's something there's something very special about that. For I'm I'm just keep no, I just keep, keep rattling. Keep I'm sorry. Going. So many things coming to my head. But I okay. So you've been a worship leader. You write songs. Like I think for the listener, like for so many of us, you are the laity. They for them maybe there's no difference as they think about like just CCM and then the CCM song they sing in church. Like what is maybe help illuminate for us like. Um, what's the difference between leading worship and playing a show on the weekend or something like that? That's a great question. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most plainly the difference between leading worship and playing a show is um, your concern for the kind of experience you're trying to facilitate. Mm-hmm. So when you're leading worship, you're trying to facilitate a group sing-along mm-hmm. that is spiritually sincere 
Mm-hmm. And in a show, I'm trying to facilitate. Um, I'm trying to facilitate uh, a group. I'm not even sure what a, a group experience, but but really, for me, I'm, I'm trying to facilitate prayer for people. Um, you know, because prayer, at least in the in the Orthodox tradition, I, I love their definition of the noose, you know, this mm. idea of paying attention. Prayer starts with paying attention. Mm. Um, noose is just the eyes of the soul. You know, mm. you turn the eyes of your soul towards God and you pay attention to God. And um, I, I'm trying to sort of backdoor facilitate prayer for people at, mm. at concerts of mine. I want them to be paying attention to me, but in in so doing, almost piggyback off of my attention and the, the the attention that the songs are swimming in, and sort of like all of us, sort of in in the secret heart, in our inner heart, mm. paying attention to God together, um, without without singing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of I think like, also. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say it's kind of like watching a movie. Like when you're watching a movie, it it there is something different than having a conversation with somebody like somebody can tell you something in a movie that you experience and are thinking and it's just making you process it in a way that you wouldn't be able to do just like also talking about that topic Mm. with somebody else which is a totally different experience and also important it's just they're like two sides of the same coin that are both helpful i think there's something so beautiful though about how you describe it too and that's really good chelsea but i think um that I will say your vision for what you're doing in a show is mm-hmm. uniquely Christian and um, mm-hmm. very deep, you know, uh, going back to maybe that sincerity topic. Like, I think there are some people who say, oh, my, you know, my goal at, at a show is to entertain you, you know, or whatever, yeah. right? Just yeah, entertainment yeah. or something like that. And so even the fact that, like, there is some leading people to prayer or to consider prayer or prayerfulness or devotion, mm-hmm. I think would be a word. Devotion would be a good word. Even yeah, at yeah. your shows is something that's really uh, meaningful. I think meaningful is the, the word I want to use. And it's really mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I So yeah. just, just <laughs> congratulating you. <laughs> good job. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, on a personal level, uh, one of yeah. our favorite films um, we actually, Adam was like, Hey, as a staff, we're going to watch this movie and then we're going to talk about it. And I was like, cool, I've already watched it. So <laughs> it's great. Um, but we were big fans of a hidden life and I wanted to ask, uh, awesome. I want to nerd out for a second about that and that experience yeah. for you, um, for the listeners. Can you just maybe explain like how you came about that and yeah, yeah. how'd you get that job? Yeah. So <laughs> a hidden life is a film by, uh, Terrence Malick and my wife and I, were privileged enough to be a part of the team that helped kind of score that movie. We um, we got connected through one of our dearest friends named Josh, who um, is a producer with Malik, and um, he connected us. And we started making these little, what are called shadows, which basically um, are just uh, reductions of um, kind of minimal reductions of large-scale orchestral pieces. So mm-hmm. maybe there's like a Bach cantata that's huge, mm-hmm. and the request would come in that we, you know, um, the the film needed a shadow of this big thing because the the big thing was way too big. We needed something small because the scene needed something more tender, and intimate. Mm-hmm. So we started making these little minimal 
shadows. My wife would just play violin and viola Mm -hmm. and uh, we would record Mm. hours and hours of of, uh, Bach and Schumann and just countless hours of of, uh, this music. And it was an amazing experience. We we, uh, came down to Austin. We were living in Chicago at the time and we started making these trips to Chicago mm-hmm. every one or two months for like a week at a time or so and kind of fell in love with Austin and ended up moving to Austin then in 2020 because oh, wow. um, from that experience. So, um, and we made some really great friends working on that film mm-hmm. too. And I'd, we'd never worked on movies before. So that, you know, being one of many, many people, editors and cinematographers and other composers, and of course, um, you know, all uh, Malik being sort of the chief architect um, is an amazing, amazing experience. And then we got to go to Cannes for the Cannes Film Festival. Yeah, yeah. that's how I, that was tremendous. That was what tipped me off. I was like, oh, you were involved with that movie? That's That's amazing. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Our daughter was, uh, my wife was pregnant with our daughter at the time. Mm. And in the middle of that movie, she's like, she felt her kick for the first time. Oh, wow. I was like feeling her belly listening to this music, watching this amazing movie. Wow, wow, wow. What Never experience. forget that experience. Yeah. That's yeah. incredible. So, yeah. did you have footage when you were doing that? Or were you just kind of reading? Sometimes. Okay. Sometimes there was footage, sometimes yeah. there wasn't. Um, Interesting. It was all kind of, it was very iterative. Mm-hmm. So, so you, you one were thing like I learned, exploring a lot of old songs too. Yes. That's interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, one thing I learned from working on the film is just, uh, you really can't, you really can't have too many options. Like mm. I, my threshold for being done with chasing an idea was so much lower before working on that movie. And honestly, I think Keeper of Days um, was all the better for it because I was working on that while working on um, mm. in life. So that kind of threshold for just like keep refining, keep mm-hmm. honing, keep editing, keep um, was, was definitely, and now that's just kind of how I work. Yeah. So I, goodness, we we learned so much from, from that experience. That's super interesting. For yeah. the for the layperson who, maybe they love art, maybe they don't, maybe they don't know a lot about it. But I think um, I remember I played in bands my whole life, and you know sometimes an album would come out or something would happen, and it, it, there was that sense of wow, this is so good, and then that double sense of like I'm never going to try to make music again because of how good that was or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I think I can hear somebody who's like, okay. I love music. I'm an appreciator of things. And John Guerra gets to write amazing albums and work on Terrence Malick films. And okay, he can talk about God and art, uh, you know, because he does it at this high level. Maybe just for like the average listener, what's a way to engage? Why is it important to engage your creative side? And what's a way you Mm. can do that as you think about God? Um, maybe that's a simple, maybe that's a simple question or an obvious to some, but mm-hmm. I think to others, it's not, I think to others, they don't, maybe they don't exactly know why being creative is important. Um, mm-hmm. and then, mm-hmm. and then how they could, I don't know, make it part of their devotional time, speaking of devotion or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. I think, I think everybody's born relatively creative, right? You know, if you have kids, you, you recognize that right away. My daughter's always making up stories and mm-hmm. <laughs> role-playing and imagining and drawing. Yeah. And so I think it's, it's cool to remember. And it's good to remember that deep, deep down early on in our development, you know, we're creative people. And of course we're made in the image of God who is a creator. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. He is. So there's something in us that I think 
um, wants to do what wants to be about what our father's about. Yeah. At least for me. Yeah. Um, but then we grow up and we sort of get sifted, you know, not nothing loaded about that word, but we get sifted into these different roles and identities. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. the accountant is not creative. The painter is creative. The designer is creative. The, uh, stay at home mom is not creative. Mm. Yeah. And that, that is just, I mean, that's just total garbage. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I think, I think organization requires tremendous creativity. Child rearing yeah. is the most creative endeavor my wife and I have ever, you know, been a part of. Um, mm. I think uh, at at most, uh, the most basic suggestion for people who feel like I don't, you know, I feel like I want an outlet is is simply journaling. Mm. Um, That's so good. And journaling with the intention of making something beautiful, whether that's a poem or a song or even just a beautiful prose. Um, and it doesn't necessarily need to be praised, though that, that is one form. It can be, you know, maybe you're trying to work something out, a question yeah. in your own mind. And what's like a, a, a beautiful or a, and, and by beautiful, I don't necessarily mean like flowery mm. or, mm-hmm. um, but, but something, um, something clear. Like mm. Aquinas' definition of beauty is, goodness made perceptible to the senses mm. which is an amazing definition yes so really really beauty is just something that, that clarifies goodness so you know i think good writing good good a good sermon you know a good lecture a good a good journal entry just something that really feels like man i've i've really clarified something in myself um at least for me that 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 is like a basic if i'm trying to get the juices flowing um i love that that's great i think it's so helpful i i think another thing i would uh i think that's perfect i Mm -hmm. honestly perfect answer and the other thing i think that we can start to do is just slow down a little bit Mm -hmm. and if you see something that strikes you maybe even you don't and this maybe is like for the complete novice but just that ability to stop when you see something that's beautiful or that strikes you and just sit in it for a minute Maybe pause for one second yes. longer and maybe even turn that into a prayer. Mm. Because I, as you've said, I'm just really captivated by this idea of you being a devotional music songwriter and that idea that life, all of life can be a devotion in some way, especially yeah, when we yeah. stop and consider when goodness becomes perceptible to our senses to stop and let that roll back yes. up to the creator Man, yes. I think in some ways that might be what we're designed for. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I think you could yes. make a strong oh. point that, like, oh my th- gosh. that yeah. idea of seeing beauty and then recognizing where it comes from is isn't is a small act of creation in and of itself for recognizing creation for what it is. So, yeah, I love that. I think that's beautiful. I would also add. I would also add this. This one could be kind of fun. Like, take put something on the calendar and take some friends out to dinner. And go to like a fun place. Like, mm. yeah. don't you just go to the same place, you, but <laughs> right. find a new place that yeah. you think maybe maybe I'll be stretched a little bit and yeah. see if you encounter beauty. I mean, goodness made perceptible through our senses. Like if you eat something mm-hmm. delicious that is surprising, that that's an experience of beauty mm-hmm. too. That's awesome. You know? that's Paying awesome. for somebody's dinner, you're creating gratitude in that person's mm. heart. Like that's so cheap. Like you're buying 
you're buying the fruit of the spirit in that person for the cost of dinner. I mean, that's, mm. that's like such a great ROI. Like, wow. so go do that. Like it's, you know, that's awesome. Yeah. That's a great idea. And, e- and easy, like you said, something and easy. easy to do. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, okay. We always ask, and I want to ask, wanted to ask you this. We always ask our guests, or we try to, what are you reading? Like, help open up, g- give us something that is important right now to you that we could benefit from. Um, yeah, totally. A um, couple different things, actually. I, I just, I'm in the middle of this book called Low Anthropology. Okay. By this guy, David Zoll. Okay. Oh, um, okay. And I actually, actually know David. So okay. this is, he is a friend. Um, but it is a tremendous, it's a great book. He, he's a part of a ministry in Charlottesville called Mockingbird yes. Ministries. Yes. And, um, they are basically everything that he writes and, you know, that that ministry is about. It's kind of like seeing life and culture through the lens of law and grace. Mm. Um, this mm. sort of Lutheran idea. Yeah. That yeah. Spirit, you know, spirit breathes grace and reveals the law, the, the, uh, apparatus of law that we're always working from. And it's mm. just a really, uh, I just, you know, the, the little byline is the unlikely key to a gracious view of others and yourself. Oh, it's really funny. It's really easy read, but it's really deep. Mm. And it's, um, it makes you feel like, okay, for not being perfect and for, uh, and for, yeah, for messing up that's awesome. on a daily basis. So that's good. That. Um, there's this other one called um that my friend took me off to recently called the little virtues it's an old book by oh i think it's nadia ginsburg let me see little virtues Um, natalia ginsburg Hmm. it's just a little collection of essays um from the 1940s and 50s and it's like memoir essays cool um and they're beautifully written and some really cool ideas in there too. Like there's this, the last essay she talks about parenting in the forties and fifties. And she has this whole thing where she's like, we should get towards the virtues, not the vices. And by that, she means like, you know, we often teach kids to be thrifty, to save money, but we actually need to teach them to be generous. Mm. Like That's generosity really is good. actually better than being thrifty. Yes. Mm-hmm. We teach them to be cautious, but actually we need to teach them to have courage. Yep. Like mm. courage is way better than caution. Mm. Um, so it's cool that she, you know, she's a really great writer and she paints a really good picture of life in Italy uh, in the 40s and 50s. So that's awesome. That's fascinating. Check that out. Yeah, yeah, I will for sure. Where do you, um, like, where do you go most? Do you go more to reading or music? Like, where do you go when you're like, I need to be inspired. I need something. What's your go-to or do you not have one? Do you just usually, usually, yeah, you before we had our daughter, it was definitely reading. It was just quiet, solo reading mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Post Winslow, um, <laughs> it's a little bit less that, um, but still walks and mm-hmm. maybe a podcast, but sometimes just a long walk. Um, I love I love being inspired when I'm able to be inspired by music. I feel like because I'm so tuned into production and mm-hmm. chords and writing it sometimes it can be a little harder to just kind of uh to, to disengage when i'm yeah. listening to music so i need i need something else that isn't like the yeah. oral um so usually books or lectures podcasts yeah um, interesting producing is that 
has has that been more of a recent discovery mm-hmm. for you? Is that something you've been yeah. doing for a while? And then how maybe talk to us a little bit about like that world, how it kind of differs from the songwriting side. Yeah. Yeah. When Keeper of Days came out, I it, it sort of became a calling card for me as a producer. Yeah. So artists started reaching out and being like, hey, can you produce my stuff? I love what you did here. Mm. And um, so I've been doing a lot more of that. And thankfully so, because Keeper of Days came out in 2020 mm-hmm. and I was meant to tour, but of course the pandemic and yep. all tours were canceled, but I was able to make up the income by producing remotely. That's awesome. So um, did a lot of that. I've been doing a lot of that the last couple of years. Um, and I, I do I do love it. I think it's... Um, it's different in some ways and similar in some ways. It's different in the in the sense that I'm not the artist and I'm not, it's not really my vision necessarily. Mm-hmm. Sure. But um I I can't help but try to draw out in whatever artist I'm working with, mm-hmm. I can't help but draw out um what to me feels like the most pure or the most mm-hmm. radical or the most sincere um and again by radical i don't mean cranky i don't mean um you know middle finger cynical i mean like the part of you that you think is is so uh vulnerable Mm. that you need to hide it away under this projection of an artist or whatever like what's the part of you that is just like still just a kid or still you know what what are your secrets you know Mm. what are the things that you're and I, I think when I hear songs like that from artists that I'm producing, because usually we'll go through a bunch of their voice memos or their little demos and yeah. kind of talk through them. Mm-hmm. And what I'm what I've learned to listen for is, you know, they'll maybe they'll we'll listen to three or four songs and cool, yeah, these are great. And then they'll say, Okay, I've got this other thing that's totally I just want to show you. It's not gonna be for anything. And you're like, that's it's a- really embarrassing. <laughs> and then they play it and it's like yeah yes now Mm, let's talk like mm. this is the thing that doesn't sound like anything this sounds like Mm. you i don't know who else could come up with this um so i yeah i'm i'm interested in kind of highlighting that and then uh i'm also interested when i'm producing in, in just sort of like as an artist myself sometimes it's hard not having a sounding board that can kind of tell me Mm hey, this is done. You're good. Like mm-hmm. you've succeeded in this thing. So I've had to construct that with, you know, whether it's my wife or whether it's close friends who's, um, uh, who's, I guess, taste or vision for art. I trust. Mm-hmm. I use them in that way. Like, hey, am I, mm-hmm. am I just in the weeds here? Is this going like somewhere or, so I try to be that for artists because it's so easy to get in your own head mm-hmm. and, um, sort of be the voice of grace and the voice of like God's approval to them in their artistry. Like, cause goodness, we are the most, we are the most difficult. Uh, the, the internal life I think of an artist is very, very difficult. Mm. Um, you constantly feel like it's not good enough or constantly feel like, Oh, I'm going to get, you know, you feel that shame, you know, pop up that kind of, cause we are drowning in, irony and cynicism and so you feel oh how are the cynics going to listen to this and how are these Mm. people going and just to try to be like the voice of the spirit and just like you are already loved and approved and so 
beyond accepted mm -hmm. that like everything else is just a cherry on top and let's work hard because because we can because we get to mm -hmm. but not because we're trying to hit some mark because mm -hmm. it's going to mean something about something important like it really it doesn't we're, we're just playing here mm. and being that voice i think is um more than even getting the music done i think i i've found it's like a it's like a pastoral um presence in the recording process that yeah. i i found to be really helpful that's, so that's i i that the what you just said that pastoral presence i i, I thought that exact same thing i'm like what a view of the struggle of the Christian and the voice of Christ in our lives that, you know, I think at bottom, so many of us really struggle to believe that Jesus loves the unadorned version of us, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and that exactly. idea that you're saying where it's like the shame just becomes loud and the mm -hmm. internal voice of the critic becomes louder and everything and your voice to be able to say to them, hey, like, you're loved and accepted. That's the same. Mm -hmm. That's the battle of the Christian, you know, in some <laughs> yeah. ways. And so how beautiful that you get to do that. Uh, okay. So do this then tell us um, maybe what are you most proud of producing? Like what's something we could mm -hmm. listen to uh, that you've produced? Not maybe not necessarily written, right? Uh, yeah. 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 Well, um, that's probably that a loaded comes, question because you need well, to say like everybody I produce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the thing that comes top of mind is Taya, yeah. She's a yes. um, lead singer of United and did a solo project that I produced. We yes. worked on that for a couple of years. Awesome. And I co-wrote a lot of those songs too, but mainly I'm I'm proud of that um, for all the reasons I kind of just said. I, I feel like she really found the part of her that was her, that was mm. distinct. And she really had a lot of courage. Um, That's awesome. And in, in presenting that to the world, yeah. you know, in a very, you know, cause she's got such a big platform. And I have a nerdy question. <laughs> yeah. how, lo how long did it take to write Canical? Cause that's my favorite. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Hour and a half. I mean, that, wow. that was one that was. It's so the, simple, but profound. <laughs> I've listened to it on repeat. I'm not joking like 25 times. <laughs> um, so story about that. Um, when we moved down to Austin, we started doing getting into a rhythm of morning and evening prayer with my wife and then our friend who lives on our street doing yeah. it every day. And we ha basically had been doing that for uh, a year and a half, almost two years when Tay and I met for the first time in Nashville to track her record. Mm -hmm. So we were in this rhythm of morning and evening prayer. And what we shared a house or two families shared a house and we were in Nashville for a week and a half. And we started doing morning and, and evening prayer. Mm -hmm. together before the rights before the recording sessions and um so canticle is taken from one of the prayers in like the morning prayer wow. liturgy yeah and she was so taken with it and so one night we just uh she's like can we just like i'm so drained i'm so tired mm -hmm. we've been working so hard can we just kind of like pray and sing and write and just kind of mix it all up and and yeah, hour and a half later, that song kind of kind of just happened. So, that's <laughs> wow. one of the more special ones on the record, and probably in my song. whole life. Like it, um, yeah, it's so yeah. special. Have you gotten to perform it live? We did it on a video, um, but no, never together. We were we were meant to go on tour mm, okay. for a month together, and then it got canceled. And then we were meant to go on tour again, and then it got canceled for a bunch of reasons, and then. We're meant to go on tour again, and then I pulled out. So, <laughs> Dang. 
Um, <laughs> we haven't we haven't made that happen yet. Maybe but, someday. Maybe someday. Yeah, I want to. What was your favorite song on Keeper of Days? What were you most proud of on that album? Probably the title track, the last song, Keeper yeah. of Days. That great. one came last. Um, I found out we, my wife found out she was pregnant, mm -hmm. and then two days later, I took a trip to visit my friend. And I wrote that song. And when I wrote it and I finished it, it felt like, oh, the record's done. Like, this is it. This is the, I mean, of course, I, I, I'm very proud of Citizens and Kingdom of God, mm -hmm. Hold On. Um, this is what I do to feel close to you. It's my favorite one to play. But Keeper of Days mm -hmm. feels like it combines both my devotional. It feels like every time I sing that, it just like, oh, that's my whole heart mm -hmm. in that song. And then it also compositionally I mm -hmm. love I love it because yeah. it's it's just rich and I, I just felt like you know threw the restraints off and just kind of um, let the music sing so probably that one okay fun Good question uh, yep. just because we've talked about Winslow several times now is she a fan at all or does she just not care a bit about it? <laughs> oh, she's she's a fan, but she um she still doesn't really know that like I write songs, you know. <laughs> she knows that I play at church. She hears noise sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she she actually in her mind, she is the songwriter I love in the it. family. Oh, that's because awesome. she does write these, she writes little they're kind of devotional songs, That's actually. Sweet. The, yeah. uh, the one she started singing the other day, um, Jesus is the one, he always loves your soul. <laughs> That's Just, amazing. And you were like, you know, let me write that down. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, but... Um, we were talking the other day at dinner and I'm, I'm just getting final mixes back for my next record. I think nice. it's going to be called Ordinary Ways. But I was like, Winslow, can we listen to some of Daddy's songs? You know, I'm, I'm just getting, she's like, your songs? Like, yeah, that you wrote? <laughs> yeah, that I wrote. Have I heard them before? I'm like, uh, maybe. Um, I think I want to listen to Encanto. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, Same. you know, she's, she's a fan though, of course. But the song, I mean, she'll, you know, maybe in 20 years, she'll listen back and be like, oh, cool. That's right. That yeah. was, yeah. you know, he was up to some cool stuff. That's awesome. Or. This is such crap. I can't, you know. Right. Do you therapist, think, help me. Do you think she'll be musical at all with both of y'all parents? She definitely is already musical. Yeah. Like she can, you know, she can keep a pitch really well, and she plunks around on the piano and mm -hmm. has drums. And whether she'll do it, I don't know. Yeah. Sure. Kind of. There's freedom know. in there. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's awesome. Um, so I, the last question I was going to ask was, what are you working on? But you just told us. So you have a new album coming out, probably called new Ordinary album. Days. When should we look for that? Yeah, ordinary ways. Ordinary ways. Um, excuse me. Probably next spring. Okay. Um, it's all still being worked out. Got to come up with a plan for the release and touring and distribution and all the stuff that I'm mm -hmm. not good at but mm -hmm. have to do. Um, once we come up with a plan, well, it'll be out. But I'm really excited about it. It's in the same. Um, it's in the same vein as Keeper of Days, um, but kind of taking some of the just taking it a little bit further and it's you know a different season of life yeah uh, we've had had a baby and um parenting and not, not really too much the pandemic though definitely 
you know, that was the season that it was written in. Mm. Um, but, but more just about the inner life of, um, somebody who's living a very domestic, domestic mm. life, you know? So I'm excited. I'm excited for it to come out. I bet it's gonna be awesome. Yeah. And I love even the title. We talk all the time about how faithfulness you talk, you talked about domestic life and i just think yeah. how often faithfulness and beauty and depth don't necessarily come from like extraordinary things but yeah. come from very yeah. or, living in very ordinary ways and so yes. well, i yeah anyways i don't know i don't know if that's what you're capturing but it it's like, i mean yeah. that's what i'm that's what i'm trying sure know, at yeah. least that's what i'm trying to capture awesome that's well john so cool. thank you so much and thank you for having this conversation with us, helping us think more deeply about beauty and art and creativity and really kind of using your life to disciple us and um, how to unlock devotion to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I'm thankful for you, thankful for this time and looking forward to your new work. Thanks guys. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a great conversation. You got it, man. Thank you for listening to Culture Matters. This episode is produced by Chris Sterrett, Chelsea Conway, and Mandy Page. If you're a regular follower of the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. If you're in Texas, John is going to be playing a show uh, on the date. What's the date? On the 28th. On the 28th at Church of the Cross in Grapevine, Texas. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. Uh, You can message message us on social. Check us out. Check the show notes for all that information. uh, And we'll talk to you soon. See you next time.